Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. Today, a brand you guys are going to love. It's perfect to find out about it. We're rolling into the holidays, and I, as I found this, I was like, oh my gosh, I love this brand, and the products you guys are going to think are amazing on the podcast today as founder of Unbound Merino, Dan Dembski. Dan, it is so great having you on the podcast. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. Dude, I was so excited. Um, I love when I find brands that I don't know about, and I'm, I'm just so excited for the, your story and what you guys have done and where you've come from. Um, for those that don't know Unbound Merino, um, you're going to love this story. They started it as a crowdfunding campaign, which you're going to hear about in just a few moments, raised about $400,000 in the first two months, and just after a couple years, multi-million dollar business. Um, what I think is really cool, their bottom line, see more of the world without the burden of bulky luggage. Um, and for those of you that love clothing and clothing shopping and whatnot, you guys are going to love their site. So anyway, all right, Dan, let's dive in. Um, first thing I've got to ask you, I, when I was doing my homework on you, um, love your background and you have a very diverse background and how did I, I, I you're a producer of a news program. I saw you worked at D brand and, and, you know, making vinyl skins for smartphones, et cetera. Then you're a digital agency. I think you'd, you'd founded, but then how did you kind of wind your mm-hmm. way into founding this company? Well, I, you know, I sort of happened upon becoming an entrepreneur. I think when I was really young, I was always entrepreneurial. And I, I used to say, I want to be a businessman when I grow up, whatever <laughs> that meant. Um, but I, I decided, uh, you know, later as I was, you, did gr- you know, getting into my adult years, I wanted to get into radio. I did a little stint as a producer at a talk radio show here. Um, but I, on the side, I was doing some freelance video production. Yep. And I really, really enjoyed doing it. I did it with my best friend. We would shoot anything. We'd find, you know, we'd go on Craigslist and find jobs for a couple hundred bucks and we'd shoot and edit and we just loved doing it. And I think the passion that we had for it uh, just made us work really hard at what we were doing. So these little projects sort of started to build a little bit of momentum around themselves, a little bit of word of mouth got around. And then we started getting another project and another project. Next thing you know, I was, you know, I, I was working in a restaurant. I was working at the radio station. I was in school and I was doing this freelance stuff. <laughs> and I had to start dropping that. things. And the, <laughs> That's awesome. The first thing I had to drop was school. I left school, <laughs> school. because I felt like it, it, it was the least valuable to me because I was studying communications and radio broadcasting. I was already had my foot in the door in radio. So I felt like, what do I need the schooling for? Of course. So, and then, um, I left the, the restaurant next. I held onto the radio station cause I thought it was my career ambition, but then I got too busy with, with the video production. Then we start, we started having to hire people into my mom's basement and it just sort of became a company, you know? Wow. And then within a couple of years, we had a big downtown studio and we had a staff of 20 and like, I didn't intend, I didn't start this thing thinking we're going to start a right. business doing digital video production and strategy and whatever, all the stuff that we did, but it happened and we grew and I was really young. And that's when I realized I'm like, I'm in the right place, you know, that's building really cool. a business with something that felt exciting and fun. And we did it for many years until it got, the excitement wore off after, you know, once it became more about like 
it wasn't just the excitement of the build anymore, but there was a lot of mouths to feed and, sure. and, you know, it was, we learned a lot of lessons the hard way and, and, and you know, the years and years and years of, from ex, that were exciting turned into kind of, to be honest, I hated it. Right. I hated it. And I wanted a way out. Wow. So in the back of my head, I always wanted to create a new business, but not have a service business. I wanted, all I knew was, and I, and, I, and the reason I thought this was because I saw other people have e-commerce brands where they sold the product of their own. Sure. And the way that business scaled gave was just so much more beautiful than the way a service business scaled. And I thought, this is what I need to do. I need to build an e-commerce site and I need to sell a product direct to customer. I don't know what that is, but I know that. I want a product. I want to sell it online. That's it. I don't want clients. I want customers. Got it. So I... Uh, for about two, for about two years, and I'm not exaggerating, for about two years, uh, I would meet up with my my two best friends, and we would just come up with ideas for what can our our, our product be, what sure. can our e-commerce product be, and we would put ideas on the wall. We do a whiteboard or a chalkboard, and so many of these ideas were terrible, but the the, the fact is, we were we were really working towards trying to figure out what this idea could be. So what would, and so tell us some of the, I went on a trip. <laughs> tell us some of the bad some ideas. Of the ideas? Okay, yeah. tell, Give us some of the I'll, bad well, ones. I'll tell you one of the bad ideas was we thought we'd make pickles. <laughs> I mean, pickles we are good. Pickles. And then the reason why we thought pickles is uh, for, for one, I love pickles. And two, the, uh, the other reason was because uh, I have a nickname. These people used to call me pickle. My, my best friend said, Dan, you kind of, you kind of look like a pickle. So, so they used to call me pickle. So they thought, Hey, well, I should make pickles because I Perfect. am pickle. Right. Perfect. So, so <laughs> that we thought well, we got all excited about it. And then we realized one, we don't know how to make pickles. And two, that's a horrible thing. Who buys pickles well, there's online? A, and, and there's a happens. lot of pickles out there. <laughs> right. There's a lot of pickles out there. We don't even know how to make them, let alone think that our pickles would be good. And then on top of that, what would be uh, what would be the, the e-commerce solution for that? People would buy right. pickles and they would mail them a jar of pickles. The shipping would be like be twenty bucks for a exactly. six dollar jar of pickles. Right. Doesn't make any sense. So that was one of the bad ideas. But we were coming up with ideas, and that's what mattered. And it wasn't until I went on a, tr- a trip and I wanted to pack light, and I was looking for ways to travel overseas and just to carry on. Sure, uh, I discovered in a Reddit post merino wool. And I, the post said, "I this guy said I when I travel overseas, I I pack just a carry on because all my t-shirts and, and most of the clothing I bring is merino wool, and because it's antibacterial and odor resistant, you don't have to wash it as much. So instead of bringing like fourteen t-shirts for a couple of weeks or right. a few weeks, I'll bring three. And if I can't find the laundry machine, it's no big deal. I'll just uh, I can just rewear it, and it's just as clean and fresh the next day as it was the day before. Wow! And I thought that's amazing. So I started looking for merino wool shirts." And I found a few and they, in terms of performance, they worked as promised. But what I didn't like is the way that they looked. They looked like a lot of the Merino wool brands that were out in the market were made as active wear or outdoors wear. Got it. And, um, and I, and I remember uh, seeing a picture of myself in a cocktail bar and I remember this awesome cocktail bar, but, um, I, 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 you can sort of see the reflective logo on my shirt and it looked like I was not dressed appropriately. And I didn't want to be dressed like fancy or anything, but just a nice fitting black t-shirt. You know, you could wear a nice pair of pants and sure. a nice watch and you'd feel like you can, you know, be out for dinner. These were looked a little bit too much like active wear. Um, 
And I was just looking for something that had the nicer fit that felt a little better, looked a little better. And I couldn't find it. And then I had this aha moment. I'm like, you know, I want this to exist for me. And this is a pattern I've seen before with friends of mine who have created very successful businesses. Is they, they saw an opportunity in the market where they thought I could do this and I could do this better. Got it. So I, exactly. I now, now having said that, I was trying to create a sock startup at the time. I, right. know, I skipped over this. Detail. I saw it that. Really H- Hitsu? Uh, was it Hitsu? Is that how you say Hitsu it? Hitsu Sock. Got it. Yeah. Hitsu Sock. And I love that brand, but it was never really, you know, I couldn't get it quite off the ground. So, but I was, you know, spending my, my that was my side hustle hours. Got it. And then I had my other <laughs> business I was running. And I'm like, okay, but now I have the idea, which I think is the one. But I had no energy. I had no extra capital. I had no time. So Got how it. am I going to create a new business? And I remember telling... A, biz, uh, a business coach friend of mine about the idea I had. And he said, Dan, I get it. I love this idea. It's a fantastic idea. I get it. And then he said, but you're not the guy to do it. And oh, I said, what? Why? And he said, you know, you know you're, you're, you're struggling with all of your businesses because you're, you're spread out between two businesses. Got it. How are you trying to do too many things? And he was right. Got it. He was right. So I remember being in, I went to bed that night and I have no problem sleeping. I can sleep eight (laughs) hours every day. I hit the pillow. I'm out in two minutes. I had just, my eyes were like wide open and I was just laying there. Like this is like a crossroads. Like I, I, I can't afford to start this business. I can't, I have my other business to run. I I don't have the energy. I don't have the time. I need to do it. And that's when I resolved that, you know, I'm going to go to my friends some more and say, we're going to build a crowdfunding campaign. And got I, I got their buy-in. We all got banded together. And, and the crowdfunding campaign was a way for us to compartmentalize the hours we put into this. So we spent every Friday night, we'd meet up. And we, at, once my business partner put his kids to bed, uh, we'd meet up and we'd work until as late as we could or until we had too much whiskey to, to <laughs> fix Love it. it. <laughs> and... And we did that for a year and a half wow. as we figured out what wow. the brand was, how to sell all of everything that we needed to get that crowdfunding campaign to launch. And we did that for a year and a half. And that was so that we can not just, you know, compartmentalize the time, but also not put a lot of, you know, not have to run the risk of putting our own capital in. And also the most important thing was by having a crowdfunding campaign, we can let the market decide if this sure. is a viable product, like if, if they, if they, if you think it's good, you could pre-order the product for early bird crowdfunding price. So, so we tried to sell $30,000 in pre-sales okay. and we did 400,000 and that's what I'm like, okay, this is real. I knew we could yep. and we did it. And I walked away from my other business and I went full time into this new thing. And, and since then we, we've just been wow. growing ever since. All right. So, what an amazing story and great way to get us started. Um, okay, a couple questions. So you decided to do the crowdfunding campaign. Did your two business, I call them business partners, your two buddies, did they agree that they were all in at the time? Or was that like they were still kind of testing the waters also? Like, what did that look like as you guys were forming a partnership? We all came in in different at different times. I went in first. That's sort of my nature. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think that's, that's the entrepreneur in me. Um, and you know, one of my one of my partners, he wasn't he he wasn't previously an entrepreneur. He was working. Uh, he had a good job. He was a creative director at an ad agency, which his skills were really really integral for us putting this brand together. But he's the one with kids, right? He Got had it. a mortgage and kids. I didn't own a property and no children. So for me, it's like I could handle the risk of diving right in. Sure. So we all did it together. It was, he he came in a little bit later. We came in at three stages. 
it was about a, a little after a year into the business where we were all full time that I was I dove right in. And then how did you decide how to start? In other words, okay, cool. You have this idea. You like the merino wool. That's great. Um, you're going to do a crowd, crowdfunding campaign. But then what? how did you decide Like, what was going to be first in terms of figuring out manufacturing? Or was it going to be just t-shirts? Or was it going to be the, the beanie hat? You know what I mean? Like, How did you sort out what would be first with that funds? What we wanted to create the the best solution for, so, so the way we looked at it is we said, let's just think about packing for a long trip sure. and a big suitcase. What are the few items where that we can make that would take, that would reduce the most amount of packing in the event that someone can't find a laundry machine. So oh. we thought the thing you bring the most of is t-shirt, t-shirts, socks, underwear. So totally. we created t-shirts, <laughs> socks, underwear. And we had two colors of t-shirts and we had black underwear and gray socks. And that's it. And and we sold bundle kits so people could buy uh, shirts, you know, two shirts, two sure. socks, two underwear, or they can buy just t-shirts or whatever. But that was all we started with, and it was the idea was no matter what, with Unbound Merino, with these items, you could take any suitcase and reduce it to a carry-on size. Wow. That was the whole premise that we we, we launched on. Over time, we've expanded our line of clothing significantly. But that was what we started because we thought it was what's the least we could produce to have the most effect like, on the travel experience. Now, had any of you made a like a fashion product before? I mean, in any of your background or careers, or did you have to figure that out? In other words, you know, neat that you had the idea, but how did you get from there to, I mean, creating what a t-shirt would look like and making the right color and getting it manufactured? Yeah, we had zero experience, and we had no business being in the clothing business, to be perfectly honest. We had no idea what we were doing. That's great. Do you know how we did it? This is what we did. We went to stores like Gap, H&M, the store in Canada called Club Monaco, Banana Republic, any store where, you know, we felt it's like a mass retail store where they might have a decent T-shirt. And at the time, my, my... business partners and I, we're all size medium, but we all had quite different body types. Gander would be the most athletic. I was, you know, I'd say the least in shape at the time. <laughs> I'm in good shape now. I've been working out, but, but I was at the time, though, definitely the least in shape. Sure. I had a bit of a beer belly going and uh, Demo was like the lankier one, but we all wore medium. So we said, this is great. Let's find a medium shirt that kind of like looks the best on all of us. And try to figure out like what our to sort of be the inspiration for our fit. So we go into H and M, and we'd be like, you know, we really like the sleeves on H and M, but uh, the neck, uh, the gap shirt is. We sort of like figure, like hobbled together what we like hmm. in different shirts. Like the neck fits us on all the gap on the gap shirt, the nicest, and it has the nicest neckline, whatever. And we'd buy these shirts, and we'd adhere little post it notes to them. So we like the neckline on this, we like the sleeves on this, and we. We packaged it up, and when we found our suppliers, we 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 express mailed these out to them, and had them sort of Frankenstein together a prototype of our own, in which we tried on, and then we gave notes. And the sleeves are too long, uh, the, the the it's too loose around the stomach, or whatever we would sure. our notes were at the time, and we went back and forth and back and forth until we had our own prototype, and that was it. 
Wow. So we used post-it notes and other t-shirts. I love that. And then how did you think not the industry standard way of doing no, things, by the way, but that's kind of cool picking the pieces and parts that you like best for your product. And then how did you go from that to actually manufacturing it, finding someone to take those pieces and parts and make a new product out of it? Like where did that happen? And did you have to get help with that? Well, yeah, we went on Alibaba Okay, and I, I, I looked I went through hundreds upon hundreds of manufacturers and countries all over the world. And I put together a questionnaire asking them many things. First of all, we wanted to make sure that we were proud of the place where we were manufacturing. So we sure. said to them that we would be, if we do work with you, we will be visiting um, during production time. Are you okay with us being in there during on the production floor? Uh, it was very important that they'd be welcoming to us. Um, we asked some questions about minimum order quantities. We asked them, or we had a, I had a whole list of questions. Sure. And uh, we were looking for the answers to those questions, obviously, but we were also looking to see how quickly that they would respond to us and how clear the communication would be because we were working with a lot of, we're commun- contacting a lot of people overseas. So we wanted to make sure language barrier wouldn't be an issue. Um, from the hundreds and hundreds of people we reached out to, there's maybe a few dozen that had satisfactory answers. And then in following up, there's maybe about 10. We ordered samples from 10 of them. We only got, I think, six or seven. Uh, Out of the six or seven, there were three that were really good. And then we tested those three and we ended up only liking two of them. And those two suppliers that we narrowed it down from hundreds, we still work with both of them today. Wow. Yeah, Alibaba is so great about that. And for those that haven't used that site, I mean, it's a great way to start to reach out and find suppliers, right? Or people that have the capability to make product. So when you, you did the crowdfunding campaign, did you did you order product before or did you wait and see how many orders you got to decide, okay, now we're going to order? How did that work? That's the beauty of crowdfunding. So when you or when you, you, you place an order on crowdfunding or when you set up your campaign and people start to place orders rather... Um, you don't know what people are going to buy. And then when they do buy, you don't know what the sizes are. Right. So the beauty is, is because you're setting the expectation that these are not in production yet. And you're, you know, our campaign finished in the summer, but we're not shipping until the end of the year. We got to learn what the size ratios of our customer base were before we ever had to stock any inventory. So we stocked inventory in a ratio based on what our actual what our actual customers would end up ordering. So it made things very, very easy for us. Got it. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Now, um, how did you go from that early momentum of the, the individuals that jumped into the, the crowdfunding campaign to the e-commerce piece? In other words, you know, you, you had to make a shift, I'm guessing some to try to grow the base beyond that group. How did, what did that look like? Well, you know, that was a great question. we, after our crowdfunding campaign, we tried not, we were very excited. We thought that we could do it and we did it. That felt like a really big win for us, but we didn't, we didn't get too excited. We thought we don't have a business. What we have is a lucky start. An early or Until early we have a, <laughs> Right. That's right. Yeah. We have pre-orders yep. and, and that jump started us, but we don't have a website that people are going to and con- that's converting and people are buying off of yet. We right. need to do that. So we went to our website build and we are very, very worried that, you know, this is just our lucky little one off and people are not going to come back and buy right. off us and how right. we get more people to come. 
just thought like that was our fear. And then when we set up, a, we used a Shopify site. Yep. We had a Shopify template we really liked. We set up the store. And then I remember this was in December of 2016. So just approaching four years ago, we, I remember we would meet in the mornings at Starbucks to like work on a few things. And we were just <laughs> uploading a few more pictures for our website. It. Yep. And, and I remember going into the back end of our site. Our, we didn't officially launch our website yet, but it was up and running with our, with our template. And I remember going to the back end of Shopify and there was at least a dozen orders already there. And oh. we had no idea that people <laughs> were just people sitting were there. Fine. Now, wow. what was happening was we, the momentum from our crowdfunding campaign was, con- was, was, was giving the website sort of a life of its own. Like people were f- looking for the website and finding it going to unboundmarino.com. Sure. Either because they bought stuff off us they, and they got their order. They loved, they wanted more or there was word of mouth and they were telling other people about it. Got it. So we thought, Holy, we have, we have like, orders, <laughs> these orders. We rest, we, all of our, our inventory was in a storage uh, in a storage locker just down the street from where we were. We ran to the storage locker. We packed up the orders. We shipped them. We're like, we're in business. So it happened immediately. There was an immediate word of mouth sort of momentum. And from there, we just sort of said, well, what's the next thing that we're going to do? So we sort of started exploring other ways that we can get more people to come to our site. And we, we settled on Facebook ads. Yep. It's the one thing we're going to focus our energy on. And so glad we did that because it continues to still be a huge thing for us, but especially back then, it felt more like a, a golden era of Facebook it ads. Totally agree, especially those early days of when it, people weren't really using it, it much yet. Yeah. You know, four years ago, the the return on ad spend that we would get was significantly higher than what we're capable of getting, or anyone's capable of getting now. Like sure. I just think anyone that was using Facebook ads well was just crushing. Totally. So we were just like that. Just fired our business to a whole new level like we were for every dollar we put into facebook ads we returned six so our problem became our problem became uh inventory management like we couldn't carry inventory long enough we kept selling out so (laughs) we have to like try to figure out how to get more inventory in and it took a while so there was a, a period of time where we just couldn't keep things in stock which is the best problem to have but it was a problem because right, uh, you're missing out on orders and whatnot. Yep. Yeah, and the customers are getting upset, and then they're going to find other places to put their stuff. So we were just trying to get inventory in, and we were blasting it out, and that was just an exciting, exciting time. But we, this is out of the gate. You know, the crowdfunding wow. campaign was what we needed to get the start, and the momentum was just there from the beginning. Sure. Um, what were your early top sellers, and has that evolved over time? Our black crew neck t-shirt has been the best selling thing since day one. It's wow. our number one best site. It's our, okay. our plain black t-shirt. Yep. I'm I think looking at we make the website. best plain black t-shirt. It's just the plain black t-shirt, but in terms of material quality and fit and feel, we think we make the best t-shirt that like plain black t-shirt that money could buy. Now it's expensive, but you're paying for the quality of the material and the manufacturer. So people that buy, I mean, we have, we have, we've been selling for less than four years, almost four years now on our website. We have customers that have ordered off us 40 plus times. Wow. Which is wow. Crazy. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. But you know, that's like on the, obviously on the way on the higher end, but we, we make a product that people come back for. Uh, and that is the, that is our core product, the black 
for next t-shirt. That's amazing. Now, over time, you've obviously added to the portfolio as I was going through the site um, and your products. I mean, you've got button downs, you've got hoodies, you've got you know, a lot of different things, hats, et cetera. Um, how have you decided where to invest into new product? You know, what, how, Do you guys have a formal process around that or is it more of, hey, what should we do next and what's our customer asking for? There's both. So we do ask what our customers are looking for and that informs a lot of our decision making. But because we created this brand out of our own need, like I, I, so my thinking when we started this was if this crowdfunding campaign doesn't work, at least I tried. Right. And at the very worst, I'll have made the t-shirt that I wanted in the first place. And I'll have, I'll have a lot of them because we make a totally. lot of prototypes. Totally. So that makes me the core customer. I literally made this to satisfy my own need. I think of no one's <laughs> doing this the way I want it. And that makes things a lot easier for us from a, a product development standpoint and a marketing standpoint, because I know, I know what I want and I know how to market it to someone like me. So would you know how people make a profile like for marketing purposes of who their core customer sure, is? And that's sometimes they'll even give that customer a name yep. like Jenny, the, the, the Jenny, the stay at home mom or, or Derek, the, uh, the overworked man or whatever, right. like, you, like they'll tag their consumer. Like right. they, they make these like, yep. like stereotypical, like our consumer is dead. The entrepreneur, like it's literally just like, let's just, I just think, what would I want? So that makes <laughs> it easy. And that's great. And and, 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 and we cross reference that with things that our customers want. Like I'm not a big polo wearing guy. Right. I right. don't personally, and I don't dislike them. I just don't really wear. I never really wore a polo shirt. It's the most requested product we have, so we're going to be releasing one soon. So that's listening to the customers a bit. But Got for it. the most part, we're just doing what myself, Andrew, and Dima, my two business partners, what we what we want to make for ourselves. That's kind of the guiding force. And I love that. Uh, and all direct consumer, those that have checked out the website, you can on Brown Merino dot com. Merino's M E R I N O. For those that don't know. Um, any thought on going to retail? I know you're all e-commerce. Have you had any asks about that? Or, hey, we'd love to have you in our store. What does that look like? A little bit. We have no interest. So, so I told you, you know, how I wanted to go away from having clients and go to having customers. Exactly. We built this whole business model to be like, uh, you know, Unbound is about the way we want to live too. The word is about the way you travel. You know, the, our, our brand promise is to create, um, freedom through simplicity that's like that's why we like focused on that travel niche but it's also in the way you live but it goes all the way to our business model and we haven't we didn't we opted to stay away from retail because that adds complexity to the business for a smaller margin Got kind it. of relationship totally. yeah no so question. so i like why well, i don't why why would we work extra hard to manage uh client relationships start and then you know, that, that thinking was what made us create this simple, we think more scalable business model. But when the pandemic hit, right. So we were really counting our lucky stars that we didn't have, we're didn't relying have on that. a lot of wholesale deals. Totally. I mean, that's because, a great thing. I mean, you know, you... that put a lot of clothing businesses in a lot of trouble because a lot of retail stores are on lockdown and, uh, we don't rely on them. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, perfect situation to be in for you guys. Um, 
That's, that's great. So one thing I love to ask our guests is, you know, what have been, what are two or three of the biggest lessons learned that you guys have found in, in growing the business thus far? I mean, you guys are just on an uphill climb, obviously, and, um, and moving quickly, but share with our audience, like two or three of the biggest lessons learned you'd share with other entrepreneurs. Well, I'll tell you the biggest lesson I learned in, in, uh, it was in my previous business. Um, we were growing so fast out of my mom's basement that we thought that we're unstoppable. Uh, we weren't very careful as a result. So, you know, it, one year we were in my mom's basement. There was just me and my business partner and one employee in my mom's basement. Wow. Two years later, there was almost 20 of us in a big downtown studio. And we thought, you know, we're going to keep growing. Like we doubling our revenue every year. We're going to keep doubling. And that's why we were like making such big and bold and kind of stupid risks in hiring so much and so fast that it became burdensome to be able to keep the lights on. That's a part of the reason I hated the business. So when we created Unbound Marino, like we're going to, we, we ran out of a storage locker for the first year and then we were bursting at the seams. We didn't have enough shelf space in the storage locker. So we <laughs> got the bigger storage locker just down the hall. And then we were bursting out of the seams there. We got two storage lockers and it wasn't like until a year and a half into the business where we found ourselves in a proper little warehouse space. But by the time we got there, it was like, I, I, I don't care if we had zero sales for, for a year. Like we had, we were so prepared for the long term. So what I've learned in operating a business is it's like, don't assume what's going to happen with the market. Like you're going to continue to grow. You don't know what's going to happen. Sure. So I went from being really dumb and young and, <laughs> and uncareful with money to very frugal and smart. And Got it. we took things very slow. We, measured our growth very, very like accurately as accurate as we could. But then things happen like a pandemic. Now we're a clothing brand that's positioned towards travelers. Sure. We got hit hard when the pandemic happened. Got it. But yep. the change the the change in the way we ran the business made it made it completely easy for us to weather the storm. Not to say the pandemic wasn't scary because it was we were growing faster than any of my previous businesses. But when the pandemic hit, we not only stopped growing, our sales went down. And it, that sucked, but sure. we were completely prepared for it. So like, okay, let's just uh, get together, roll up our sleeves and figure out what our strategy is going to be to get out of this. Right. But we weren't scared about the financial aspect of it. We had the runway. So being uh, humble, having a little humility, staying frugal, you know, I, I, I'm not a a fan of, I, I'm, a, I'm an Amazon user. I buy things on Amazon, but I think Amazon's a little extreme and crazy, but you look at those early pictures of Jeff Bezos, uh, in his early office yeah. where I think he had, you know, like a plywood table <laughs> and it's like, there are some people who, who really, they're frugal in the right ways. And that's what I learned the hard way. I really, really learned that the hard way. And that was the biggest lesson I learned in business. And one that I really did learn and, I, and it's night and day to run a business that way. I love that. The that's, other way. I think that's great advice. And um, <clears throat> I mean, every entrepreneur can leverage that. Um, this has been so great having you on our show. Dan, share um, with our audience how they can connect with you. What's you know what's coming up and what, what our, our listeners can look forward to. Well, we just, we're just rolling out products like crazy. Um, <laughs> Black Friday week is this week. So, well, at the time of recording, I don't know when yeah. it's coming out. Um, so 
uh, it's just, you know, we have a growing customer base. We have lots of products rolling out and we're excited for what's coming out next year. Some of our biggest product releases will be coming out in 2021 and we're super stoked for that. That's awesome. Well, um, I, again, appreciate you being on. For those that haven't checked out their site, www.unboundmerino.com. And Dan, it has been so great having you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.